you're listening to the Omega Church Sermon of the Week. Be sure to subscribe to this channel to stay up to date with our latest teachings and feel free to reach out to us via our Facebook page or website. As you listen to this message, we pray God will reveal himself to you in a fresh way. Good morning, everyone. Let's make our usual proclamation. The kingdom of God is here. One more time. One more time. So why do we repeat? If you say once is not enough. <laughs> As you repeat, what happens is you are reinforcing what you are saying. And your spirit rejoices with and falls in line with what you are saying. It takes time. Sometimes you say 10 times, 20 times, until your spirit aligns with what your mouth is saying. That's the reason why we need to repeat. Why do we repeat now? <laughs> until our spirit falls in line with what we say. That's the reason. Okay, so <clears throat> we, we are focusing today on uh, the covenant of grace versus covenant of works. From Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 17. I decided the text, and then I realized that unless I deal with verses 1 to 11, I won't be able to make sense out of 12 to 17. <laughs> now, that was a difficult choice, but anyway, I said I will quickly run through verses 1 to 11 and try to connect it with the rest of the passage. And hopefully, now I wish I had two more weeks to prepare <laughs> because that passage is so rich. It is so rich in meaning. And they say it's the most difficult passage in the book of Romans is chapter 5. Now we will look into the reasons why it is so difficult to understand. First thing, this, uh, this chapter launches off with these words. Therefore, now when you see the word therefore, that means Paul has said some things before. And something is following from what he already has said. So therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is justified by faith? Justified is a legal term. It's used in the court of law. So justified is, like if God is a judge, and then you imagine a court of law where you have a judge sitting on the throne uh, with his gavel to, whenever he gives a judgment, he's going to bring down the hammer, that gavel, and then he's going to uh, say whatever he has to say. There's a final word. But then you have got, you will be standing in the dock and there will be a lawyer on your behalf and there will be a prosecutor who will be arguing against you or why you should be punished, or all these kinds of scenes happens. The same way in the court of heaven, you have got the father on the throne and you, you are there. And then the devil is the one who comes and accuses against you. Oh, Ramana, you don't know how sinful he is. He has done this. Is he used his eyes to sin, he used his ears to sin, he used his mouth to sin, he used his hands to sin, he walked in places he should not be walking. He brings all the charges, one after the other, he brings the charges. But then one advocate on your behalf appears, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, everything the devil said is right. <laughs> he doesn't dispute anything about it. Whatever you have done, all the actions of your life, he will say, okay. But I have taken the punishment for him. I have shed my precious blood for him. And because of that, he is clean. I'm declaring him clean. I'm making him my son. I'm making her my daughter. And when he says that, devil is silenced forever. So when you go through this process of being justified by faith, no, this happens, how does it happen? It happens by faith. What Christ has to do has been done 2,000 years ago when he died upon the cross. It happened 2,000 years ago on the cross. He paid the price for your deliverance. He paid the price for your salvation. He paid the price for your healing. Everything has been done 2,000 years ago, but now it kicks into your life when you open your heart by faith. The faith is the instrument. Faith is the instrument which enables you to connect with this great God, the big God, the merciful God, the gracious God, who has amazing grace to give to you. That amazing grace is flowing since 2,000 years from the cross. But have you moved your heart in faith to grasp and grab what God wants to offer to you this morning? 
I want to encourage you to do it. Bring your past before God and tell him, God, I bring my past before you. Please reconcile me with your blood. Because in the scripture it says, you, they have been justified through faith in verse 1. But then it says again in um, verse 9, we have been justified by his blood. There are two things you have to see here. One is justified by faith. That is, you are appropriating what is being done. But how is it happening? The basis is, the basis is, the justification is by blood. Jesus shed the blood. Jesus shed the blood. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. You know, it's very hard to understand some things. I come from a vegetarian background, meaning my parents were vegetarians, my grandparents were vegetarians. Down through generations, they all ate vegetables. Never ate eggs, never ate meat, never ate chicken, never ate fish, nothing. I tell you one humorous story. One of my classmates, I was very young, very small. He wanted to buy meat, so I followed him. Foolish thing I did, because what does a vegetarian have to do with the meat shop? So <laughs> I went there, and those days you didn't have these organized markets and all, you know. He was just sitting by the roadside with a big wooden piece, you know, a trunk piece, and on that he will cut, chop the meat and give. So this guy standing, I was standing there. So that guy, the butcher, he looked at my friend because he always comes there to buy the meat, but I'm a stranger. So he looked at me and said, Catch this kid, you'll cut off his <laughs> parts. And I ran from there for my life, one kilometer or so, without looking back who is following me. <laughs> he was only threatening, but I didn't know that. He was only kidding. But the point I'm trying to make is, when that smell of meat, I could not stand when I went there. And one day I followed him into the big hall where they were hanging the whole, I mean, uh, uh, the, the, I mean uh, cow and then a goat and different things and it was smelling so, so horrible. I said, why do they eat this meat? I couldn't stand there even for one minute. Now think about, why am I giving you this example is, certain things are, experiences depends on your experience, your background. And then I believe in Jesus, and I'm, I'm told the blood is the one that is important. The blood. I said, how can I experience, how can I allow this blood to fall on me? I'm a vegetarian. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you are a vegetarian or a non-vegetarian. It is there is justification in the blood. There's no other way. There's no other way you can be saved. Justification by grace, justification by faith, justification by grace, uh, by blood. So Romans 3.24, we are justified by his grace. That is God's initiative. We don't deserve it. He justifies you freely because he took the punishment for you. You are justified by faith. That's the instrument by which you are being justified. But the basis of grace and the faith is the blood. What did I say just now? The basis of justification is blood. And it's done by the grace of God. And your faith is the instrument that helps you to appropriate, receive, what God has done by, by pouring out his amazing grace for your sake. It's amazing grace for you, but he turned his face away from his son on the cross. Father experienced the pain of turning his face away from the Lord, from the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore we have been justified through faith. What happens when you're justified by faith? You have peace with God. First benefit, what is it? Peace with God. So what does it mean, peace? <clears throat> when you look into the same scripture again, it says, verse 10, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through the life, through his life? We were enemies of God before we believe in Jesus. What was our previous condition? We were enemies of God. If you don't believe today, you are an enemy of God. Why? There's no peace between you and God. But through the blood that the Father allowed his son to shed up on the cross, peace has been accomplished. So what is it like? It is like a, a person who rebels against a king. When you rebel against the king, do you have access into the king's presence? 
can you come freely into the king's presence no so somebody has to do something about it they have to talk to the king that you are a changed man that you don't have any more intentions to rebel against the king that he, you can f please forgive the the guy you know so somebody has to plead for you and when that person intervenes and pleads on your behalf then the king says okay i forgive the man just because he says he i forgive the man doesn't mean you can come into the presence of the king but when you believe in jesus two things happen at the same time one you are forgiven two you receive access into the grace in which we stand now you receive the access you did not have access into god's presence before but because of the grace of god you have access to come into god's presence and say god you could you can yeah, i could not come into before presence but now through the bread of jesus i have access i come into your presence now i tell you this presence is where is the presence is it here or is it heaven when you have faith you step into the courts of god by faith before the throne room of god you have access before the throne room of god you have access by faith in jesus therefore you are if you are justified you have first enmity is gone peace has come between you and god first benefit two you have access into the grace in which you stand you were not able to come to god before but now you can come to god now because of the grace because of the peace that you have so the second benefit is you have grace uh, access we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and then he says and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god that means what this is something a reality you can experience the glory of god the glory of god the glory of god everybody say the word glory of god does this refer to sometime in future or present when do you experience the glory of god is it now or after you die both answer is both right now god's glory comes and rests on you because you are justified by faith you know when adam sinned before adam sinned they, there was no need to cover themselves with the, the fig leaves okay so there was glory covering adam and eve before they fell in sin but when they fell in fell in sin that glory is departed that glory has departed and they felt shame and they had to cover themselves with the fig leaves but when you come back to christ that glory comes on you again that glory comes on you again so there is you cannot compromise in this life for little benefits of small small joys this glory to depart from us so when we sing that song create in me a clean heart oh god i was thinking what an appropriate song and how many of you by the way have felt the presence of god during worship today there are awesome presence of god awesome presence of god when the chains fell i said the chains hit the ground i said somebody's chains are falling today somebody's chains are falling today i tell you the worship should be like that a dynamic worship you just don't say words they should be prophetic when you sing so focus on the meaning of the words when you sing then your heart will be lifted from this earth to heavens and you enter into the courts of god and you behold his glory and you worship him your heart lifts before that god to lift his name on high i tell you this a glorious experience we just don't, don't sing here because it has to be done oh you have to sing three songs in the morning and then you have to listen to bible no no <laughs> the three songs you sing because you want to enter into the courts of god and experience his grace let his grace flow from his throne and rain down on you when you sing when you sing because that is what the hope we have we have the hope of sharing the glory of god right now and after we die we are going to experience the glory of god then it says in the hope of the glory of god not only so but we also rejoice in our sufferings now who likes that who likes to rejoice in our sufferings rejoice in our suffering was 3 then god has poured out his love into our hearts was 5 i want to see about something about this 
this I have skipped out. I had to go through it. So we have peace, four kinds of peace. So therefore, being justified, we have got peace with God. Four kinds of peace. What are the four kinds of peace? One is between God and man. Okay, verse 5, chapter 5, verse 1. We have peace with God. You know, these basically what I'm trying to say are the reversal of the consequences of Adam's sin. When Adam fell in sin, God and man were separated. The peace is gone. When, when you believe in Jesus, that peace is being restored with God, between God and man. So the first benefit. Second is between man and man, Jew and Gentile. Elsewhere again Paul says that he removed the wall of separation. Where is it gone? Yeah, verse 17. By the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Not that one. Uh, okay, you'll find it in, in the same chapter somewhere. You read it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so he removed the wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. The main the, the division between, like we, we try to divide people into based on the race, their color, you know, what the language they speak, and all. But Bible talks about only two categories. One is either a Jew, you are a Gentile. So we are Gentiles. We all are Gentiles. And a Jew and a Gentile are separated by the law. It becomes like a stands like a wall. They got the Ten Commandments. The world did not get Ten Commandments. That's what separated. But what did God, Jesus, do? He came and died upon the cross, making peace between man and God and making peace between Jew and Gentile. So now he makes a new, new race of people who are believing in Jesus, are a new race. They can belong, everybody, any color, any language, any race you belong to, you are part of the new race. Jesus Christ is the head of the new race. And you become part of it. And that wall that separates is now removed. Now he became the bridge instead of becoming a wall. Do you see the difference? The law was standing like a wall, but now he removed it and he became like a bridge between Jew and Gentile. So now there's a new, new, new man is being created in Christ Jesus and we are part of the new man. We are all part of the new man. So that is another, another benefit between man and man, Jew and Gentile. Between man and himself, you know, a man is separated from himself when he has psychological problems. A man is separated from himself when he has got uh, demonic possession. A man is separated from himself when he has got many problems pressing upon him. It can be economics, it can be finance, it can be relationship uh, breakdown. He is separating him, he is separated from himself. He is not complete when he has all the problems. But when Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, he, he makes you like a one unit. He puts the pieces of the zigzag puzzle together and the puzzle becomes fixed when you come to Christ. The only way you can describe it is like the demonic from whom Jesus cast out a legion of demons and he was not closed and he was chained and he was hurting himself with stones and he was bleeding all over. He was banging his head. But when Christ came and stood there on the Sea of Galilee, on the shores of Galilee. He came running and fell at his feet and said, why have you come to torture me now? Is it my time yet? He says, come out of the man. And he didn't come out immediately. And Jesus said, who are you? He said, I am a legion. Legion means a Roman battalion uh, that has 2,000 soldiers or 5,000 soldiers, whatever. If they say, let the 5,000 soldiers, afterwards when the evil spirits came out of him, they entered the pigs and the pigs ran down and died in the Sea of Galilee, 2,000 pigs. That means at least more than two spirits must have entered each pig because they were all competing for a place anyway. But afterwards when he was, he was found, he was found closed and in his right mind. Closed and is in his right mind. Jesus is the only one who can help you to be in the right mind. So that division between yourself, in your own mind, you are split. But Jesus will make you join together into one person. Between man and the nature. Today we are talking about uh, a lot about the environment. Uh, we are talking a lot about uh, what is the word usually that is most popular word? Climate change. That's the one. Thank you. The climate change. 
who created the climate change it all began with adam's sin and we have contributed to it by we refuse to walk we refuse to use the cycle even to go to the supermarket we take the car you know we are contributing to that <laughs> i am not trying to be very light on it <laughs> i had to speak the truth whether i do it or not you see <laughs> what i am trying to say is that we have contributed to it today the climate change where there is to be snow it is breaking off where there has to be rain it is becoming a desert all kinds of things are happening where it's supposed to be cold it's no hot where it's supposed to be hot it's becoming cold all this climate change is coming because we have not been responsible towards the environment towards the climate towards the surroundings of um, around us we have been irresponsible so what is going to happen people are trying to do their best to preserve the nature they are doing their best some people are denying it oh there is nothing called it you know even the president of nations sometimes they deny there is anything wrong with the what is happening right now and some countries they don't listen to anybody because they are a lot to themselves the whole world can say hey you guys you have to reduce your carbon emission they don't care they don't care they don't listen what will happen become more worse it will become more worse that's because the nations don't agree with each other one nation says you have to reduce carbon emission that nation says no i don't i don't care who you are i don't listen to you so that's again division between man and man between kingdom and another kingdom but jesus christ is the one who can bring peace he is the one who can restore and man can ruin this planet by his irresponsibility but a day will come when god will renew it again he will renew the whole creation because we are going to reign on this earth why will you who will reign on ruins of ruined planet he is going to renew it when he appears climate the whole earth will be renewed by the power of his word he is going to renew it so that's the hope we have so between man and nature he is not reversing the con- so basically he is reversing the consequences of the original sin so when we say we have peace with god this is how it is peace every every kind of peace is being restored okay next we see in chapter i mean uh, chapter 5 was one we talk about faith and we talk about hope in chapter 2 and we talk about love in chapter 5 was 5 all combined to give the believer patience in the trial of trials of life now we are coming to that point therefore we rejoice in our sufferings how can you rejoice when you have sufferings if you know god you can rejoice in your suffering if you know jesus you can rejoice in your suffering why because this suffering will do something beautiful in our lives what does it do because we know that the suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint us because god has poured out his love into our hearts by the holy spirit whom he has given me whom he, whom he has given us now the point i'm trying to make here is who likes to suffer ask somebody who has lost in somebody in the family ask somebody who has met with an accident ask somebody who has lost a limb can you rejoice can you rejoice it's not easy i want you to listen to one of these words tribulation worketh patience says the apostle naturally it is not so tribulation worketh impatience and impatience misses the fruit of experience and sours into hopelessness ask many who have buried a dear child i have lost their wealth or have suffered pain of body and they will tell you that the natural result of affliction is to produce irritation against providence rebellion against god questioning unbelief petulance and all sorts of evils but what a wonderful alteration takes place when the heart is renewed by the holy spirit when the holy spirit is upon you when the holy spirit is living in you that tribulation will bring something beautiful character and that character will bring hope and the character will produce hope and that hope will not disappoint because the holy spirit is already been poured out into your heart you know when the word poured out is not just a bucket of something you pour water a bucket water it is not hope it is not called pour even when it rains you can't use the word pour imagine a dam between the two mountains there's a big dam built and then it rained and the river is flowing and it is now full the dam is overflowing 
Any moment it can break the dam, the pressure of the water. That is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So powerful. So powerful. So the Holy Spirit that is being poured out into your heart is a powerful force, like a dam that is overflowing. And when you are having that experience, then you will rejoice in your suffering. I always am reminded of one, one person called Billy Sunday. He was a preacher. He used to go and preach in the coal mines to the people who were digging coal in the coal mines. And one day he went out to preach and somebody came running and said, your wife died. And what did Billy Sunday do, you know? He was dancing. Oh God, I thank you for taking my wife away. You might say crazy guy, but he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit. That is what we should be able to do. If we can do that, it is not normal. It is supernatural. It is not normal. It is supernatural. Why? Because you can do it only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can cry, you can have a heart attack, you can fall down and break your hip when you hear the news. But that is all natural. But when you can dance, when you hear something bad, that is supernatural. That is supernatural. I tell you, I, I wish I can be in that position where I can sing and dance when I hear bad news. Because that is the greatest way to defeat Satan. That is the greatest way to defeat Satan. Is when you rejoice in your suffering. You are giving notice to Satan. You are defeated. You are telling him, you got no power over me. You are telling him, my destiny is different. I walked a different drummer's beat. I don't walk by what I see. I don't walk by what I hear. I listen to the different drummer, uh, the one heavenly one, who is beating a different drum. I am in step with that drum. And you know, that spells doom to devil. That spells doom to devil. Some people say, is it, it is just not right. It doesn't feel right for one man to die and I should get the benefit. Uh, something like, we may not like the fact that we are made sinners, but ah, this is, a, sorry, I'm going to the different way, sorry. Now we are jumping into straight into the 12 to 17, 12 to 17. Now we are going to see the work of Adam and the work of Jesus Christ. One man sinned. And what does the word say? One man sinned, was 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in the way death came to all men, because all sinned. This is very difficult to understand this verse, verse 12. Just as sin entered the world through one man, you may say, Adam sinned, but why should I be a sinner? That's his problem, not my problem. This is the most common question people ask. Most common people say, okay, Adam ate the fruit, that's fine, but why should I become sinner? Are you getting the question? You are saying, I am not involved in what Adam did. So I should not be treated in the same way as Adam is. But you know what's about Adam? Adam was a representative. He was the father of all human humanity. And we were, we were in his loins. We are in him genetically. From there we got our existence. God made man only once from mud and breathed into him the breath of life and became a living soul. And his name is Adam. But never again he did that again. We are all from that man whom God created. So because of this, the English, in English you've got a word called solidarity. Solidarity is you are in, in Adam at that point when he did it. You were part of whatever he did, you did it. There's solidarity. And that's the reason why something changed in Adam and we all became sinners. We all became sinners. And then what, it, what, it, what the word says is, through the death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. Now what is all sinned? All sinned, in, not because you are sinning like Adam has eaten a fruit which is forbidden, so he became sinner. You are not going into the garden and eating the same fruit, becoming a sinner. The same way we are not doing it. But what it means is, because we are in him, placed in solidarity. He was a representative and his failure is our failure. 
And some people will say, it is very unjust. It is very unjust that God should condemn me for what Adam did. But is it just for you to believe in Christ and receive salvation? <laughs> Same logic applies there, isn't it? But God who ordained that we should be sinners through Adam's sin, also ordained that we should be saved through one man's obedience, that is Jesus Christ. So that's why I wrote this passage here. We may not like the fact that we are made sinners by the work of another man. We may protest and say, I want to stand on my own two feet and not be made a sinner because of the work of another man. Nevertheless, it is fair to be made righteous by the work of another man only if you are also made sinners by the work of another man. If we aren't made sinners by Adam, then it is not fair for us to be made righteous by Jesus. If that applies, this also applies. So death reigned on all people before the law was given. Now this is something again we need to understand. Death reigned on all people before the law was given. That means the law was given at the Mount Sinai that we said in uh, Exodus chapter 20. But what happened to all the people in between Adam and the Exodus, I mean Sinai experience? They also died. But did they sin because, you see, this is something that they wanted. What we need to understand is this. If the road rules say you have to drive on the left, you drive on the left, you are right. But if you drive on the right, you are wrong. But if the rule does not say, there's no rule that says you should drive on the, keep, keep on the left, on the left side of the road. If you are going on the right side, you are not doing any wrong. You get my point? Until the law comes, you cannot be guilty. But people died even though there was no law. Why? Because they are partakers of the original sin of Adam. And the death reigned on everybody. They all died. Even though they, there is no law, still they died because they are part of Adam's sin. But the law came later on. So why did the law come? The law came, Paul uh, argues elsewhere, it's like a school teacher. School teacher teaches the kid what to learn. And it takes him from ignorance to intelligence, to become intelligent. From knowing nothing to knowing something. Teacher leads. Same way law brings the knowledge of sin. You are not having knowledge of sin. We teach our children all these things when they are, when they are born. You, they hear the word no a thousand times a day. Why? Because we are teaching them what is right, we are teaching them what is wrong. You know, for example, we, when John was very young, we used to tell him, we used to use a stove, a kerosene stove, to heat water for taking bath. You know, and we used to put it in a place. And we told him so many times, don't touch the stove. You switch it off, the burner is still burning red, don't touch it. Ooh, no, we say, ooh, means it's going to harm you. But one day, we take the water to pour into the bucket outside. By the time he crawls on his, uh, when he, he, on his knees and goes, puts his hand on the burner. And he gets burnt on this palm round <laughs> thing. And then we use the word woo. He says woo. He understood it. Until then he didn't understand. We told him thousand times, don't touch the stove. Woo, okay, you are going to be hurt. He didn't understand. But after putting his hand, when you say woo, then he will not touch anything. So the point I'm trying to make is, law is like that. It, it will give you idea of what is right, what is wrong. But sometimes some things you have to experience to understand what it is. But the law is to lead you to knowledge, what is right, what is wrong. So by what is the law doing is, it is making you more guilty. If there is no law, it says you have to keep to the left side of the road, then you drive on the right, you are not wrong. But when the rule says you have to keep on the left, then you go on the right, then somebody will come on his left and you are going to crash into him and you are going to experience it. Even if you break it, you are going to experience it, isn't it? So that is the reason why the law is, that is how the law is given us, to make us understand what is right, what is wrong. And then you appreciate what Christ has done for you, because it makes you more guilty. That's the reason why towards the end of the chapter he says, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, and also the result of one act of righteousness was in justification. That brings life for all men. Sorry, not that. Um, the law was added so that the trespass might increase. 
What, is, what, what it means, the law was given so the sin can increase. If there is no law, you will not know what is wrong. And you can do anything, it will be okay. But the law was given so that you can say, ah, you are done wrong, you are done wrong, you are done wrong, you are done wrong, you are done wrong. And com completely together, the sin increases. But, listen to what the word says. Grace increased all the more. So when sin increased, grace increased all the more. More than the sin. More than the sin. The blood that Jesus shed upon the cross is enough to wash every sin in the world. Every sin. I tell you, when I read the news, my mind gets blown away sometimes. How can this man do this kind of a thing? You read in the news, a man raping his daughter. You read in the news, a man eating his mother, killing mother and eating the mother. You read in the news, uh, a guy taking a gun and going into the um, uh, supermarket and killing 10 or 20 people in one go. You read in the news so many things. I say, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? My mind doesn't accept it. But that is the nature of sin. That is what every person who commits sin, he is not only doing some common sins, but some unique sins as well. Unique sins as well. No one may have done the sin you, you, which you have done. But the grace abounds much more than your sin. Much more than your sin. To understand verses 12 to 17, I have done something here. What I have done, I highlighted in green, I have highlighted in blue. Everything you see in green is referring to what Adam did. Everything in blue refers to what Jesus did. And what you find in yellow is a commentary that highlights or brings out the meaning more better. So I did first in my Bible, and I said, how am I going to show it to you guys? So I thought I will take a photo of my Bible and put it there. But I said, no, I will do a different way. So <laughs> I've made a PowerPoint with that. So now you can see it's very easy. Two or three slides, but it's very, very quick. What did Adam do? We'll go through one by one. First, he entered the sin. Sin entered world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. That we already have seen. Next again is in verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam, from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Even over those who did not sin by breaking command as, as did Adam. We are not breaking like Adam did the sin. We are not gone to a tree and taken a fruit God said don't eat. But we are still sinners because we have sin nature in us. Next again. If the, man, if the many died by the trespass of one man, one man's trespass, everybody died. Everybody died. There's no man born to a woman who can say, I do not have sin, except Jesus Christ was born to a virgin. Again, you see, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. We are all condemned because of our sin, our solidarity with Adam. For if, the, if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, death reigned through that one man, death reigned through that one man, because of Adam's sin, death is hanging on our heads, every one of us. It is raining. It is raining. But, hold on. There's good news when, when we look at again what Christ has done for us. Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, one sin, everybody is condemned. Again in verse 19, for just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners. We all have become sinners. Again in verse 20. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. 21. Just as sin reigned in death. Anything good you hear in this scripture portion, what sin has done? Devastation. It's been raining. No one can challenge it until Christ confronted it head on on the cross and he became victorious and rose again from the dead. He put a stop to the reign of death. He put a stop to the reign of death. And when he walked on earth, he raised up the son of Nain, a widow at Nain. He raised up Lazarus. He raised up another uh, um, uh, uh, Jewish ruler's daughter who are dead. That is only an example of what he's going to do in the future. He has broken the death reign of death over the human humanity by raising the dead. And one day when he comes back again to the trumpet blast with the angels, 
everybody who is dead is going to rise again. Whether you believe or you don't believe, you are going to rise. But those who believe will go to be with him, and those who don't believe will go to be in hell forever and ever. But he is the one who holds the keys of death. He is the one who has authority over death, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Now let's go back and see what Christ has done. Adam is a pattern of the one to come. Even though Adam has brought sin into the world, in some way he represents Jesus Christ. He represents Jesus Christ. How? As he, Adam is a representative of all those who are going to be sinful, condemned, on whom death is reigning, Jesus is going to become one man. He's the last Adam, the second Adam, or the last Adam, through whom life will come to everybody who believes. In the first case, you don't choose. You are a sinner. In the second case, you have to choose to be righteous. That's the only difference. There, involuntary. You don't like it, you are still a sinner. But here you have to like to become righteous. Like to become justified. You must like to become saintly. Many died because of the trust of one man. How much more did God's grace and gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? The many, the word many, is very important. And that many has everybody who chooses to receive this gift. If you choose to believe in Jesus, you are receiving the gift of eternal life. If you don't choose, you lose it. So the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. And again you see in verse 16, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Sin brought condemnation. But Jesus brings justification. Followed by trespasses brought justification. Justification is just as if you never sinned. Justification is just as if you never sinned. That is the status Christ is going to bestow on you. That is the status. So one moment you are a sinner and you turn around to Jesus and say, Lord, I am sorry, I believe you died for me on the cross and your status is changed. You are justified. You are justified. Just as if you never sinned. God will never hold record of, uh, he doesn't carry a book with all your sins recorded in it and say, hey, here is the record of all your sins. No. He will say, just as if you never sinned. You get a clean slate to begin your life new by faith. And then here it is, verse 17. Will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? You know, this is one of the words that I always remember in my heart, in my mind. You, are, you can reign in Christ. You can be like a king, reigning like a king in your life. And that will result in life, reign in life. Abundant life. So what does the gospel do? It takes a poor little creature who is full of sin and warped in sin and struggling in sin. Takes that one. And Jesus says, takes away all your dirty clothes. He cleanses you in his, in his precious blood. And he gives you a new name and a new status. My son, my daughter. And says, reign in life. Reign in life. From today you take charge of your life. You have no charge of your life when you are under the reign of death, under the reign of Satan. But when you come to Christ, you become boss of your life. Under Christ. You reign in Christ. Then again, one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. There for all people condemnation, all people death. And here for all people life, all people, all people justification. And again in verse 19, later part, through the obedience of one man, the many will be made righteous. Through the disobedience of one man, everyone becomes sinful. Through the obedience of one man, everyone becomes righteous. And again, verse 20. Grace increase all the more. I tell you, that's the most powerful word you can ever find. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. It has overflowed more than the sin of all the world put together. Seven billion people are living today. If seven, people have died, seven billion have died already, 14 billion people's sin is nothing. That blood Jesus shed up on the cross overwhelmingly cleanses every sin. 
is enough to cover every sin. But that's not a license to sin more. Many people think that, okay, I, I say, oh, Lord, sorry, I'm sorry. Jesus, okay, you are sorry, I forgive you. But sin no more. Sin no more. We focused on it last week. Sin no more. That's the, that's the, way, to, that's the way we go. And verse 21. Grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is how you try to understand what is the works, the covenant of works is inaugurated by Adam. God said, if you obey, if you don't eat from the tree, you will live. But if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And if you ate it, he died. Spiritually he died, physically also he died later. Both spiritual death and physical death, both. And he was expelled from the garden. God chose the nation of Israel, gave them the laws, Ten Commandments. When they broke the laws, God sold them as slaves to different countries. Assyrians came, captured and took them away. They did not repent. Again, Babylonians came, they took away the rest of the people who were left over until Jerusalem became desolate. Until Jerusalem became desolate. God punishes when our sin increases. God punishes. It is a built-in law. You don't have to blame God. It's just like law of gravity. Just like law of gravity. You decide to jump from the building down. If you break your leg, you are responsible for it. You have a choice to jump or not to jump. So you obey the law, you're going to be blessed. Disobey God, you're going to be taken over by the punishment that follows. Sometimes it is immediate, sometimes it's later. But it never misses the target. Some people may not receive in this world. One man I used to see, he used to drink heavily and he used to gamble, he used to do all kinds of things and be corrupt. I said, what is happening to this man? He will go to hell if he continues like this. And one day he got a massive heart attack and he died. So in this life, he did not receive any effects of the sin that he committed, much. Only one heart attack. But what happens in eternal hell? So you may miss the consequence in this world, doesn't mean you escape forever. There's hell waiting. There's hell waiting. So I put it in a table form. The action of Adam and the action of Jesus Christ. Action of Adam, one act of trespass brought death and condemnation. And one action of obedience of Jesus Christ brings life and justification. One action of Adam, great act of trespass. It was the great act of trespass. And action of Christ is a great action of grace when he died upon the cross. Great action of grace. Amazing grace. I tell you, it is difficult to understand what Christ has done upon the cross. Eternity is not enough to grasp what Jesus did upon the cross. I've been a Christian for 44 years. Do you think I understand the grace of God fully? No. Every day I can only say, God, I fall at your feet, worship you. I thank you for this grace. Thank you for the grace. So many times I said, have I been using the same words for so many years? What else can I say? It's amazing grace. Beyond my understanding. Beyond my faculties of expression. Because it is so amazing, I tell you. It's amazing. It's beyond words. It only demands one thing. Your heart surrender at his feet. What your heart surrendered will express more than your words can express is amazing grace. Yield your life to Christ. All the mankind became sinful and all the mankind is affected by the Adam's sin. All the mankind will be affected by the offering of Christ on the cross. Whoever believes will be justified, will be given life. Many sinful actions brought death. Many sins erased life. Many sins were erased because of what Christ did upon the cross, giving life. This is the covenant of works on the left side. On the right is the covenant of grace. Overwhelmingly, God is inviting you this morning to appreciate. If you are a believer, you appreciate what God has done for you, what Christ has done for you. Being justified by faith. Therefore, we have peace with God. And we have access into the grace in which we stand. And not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Because hope is what is in our heart. It will not disappoint us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been shed abroad in our hearts. Like a dam 
like a downpour of rain. That Holy Spirit is going to pour down into your heart. It is then, it is there, like like a dam stopping the water. Your your heart is containing that Holy Spirit with so much of full of power, mercy, grace, everything. Let's just respond to God. Bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the deal that you're offering to us. The deal to be justified. The deal to be made righteous. Your righteousness you are going to impart to us. And every time we enter into the presence of God, it's not without righteousness. If we do good things and claim anything to come into your presence, we cancel your grace. So I pray right now, Father, that we may bring nothing of our own, but we may cling to the cross and entirely depend upon what he did for us upon the cross. Because nothing we do can ever save us. And right now, O oh God, Father, I pray, touch the hearts of your children. Refresh them. Refresh them. Refresh them. Just say with me, Lord Jesus, touch my heart. Touch my mind. 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 Touch my eyes. Touch my ears. Touch my lips. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. Now I'm praying for you. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, as the children have cried out to you to touch, I invite the Holy Spirit to come with power upon them. Let your glory come upon them. Let your glory come upon them. Let your glory come upon them. Lord, break the chains of the enemy. Every chain be broken. 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 Right now, every cage of the enemy be broken upon your lives. Be set free. Be made loose. Be made whole. I impart life to you in the name of Jesus. Life to you in the name of Jesus. Reign in life through Christ Jesus. To the glory of his name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us at Omega. If you need prayer for healing or breakthrough, or simply to find out more, please head to our website or Facebook page in the links below.